For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that somehow registered two shots on goal last night against the uh, Dallas Stars. It's uh, time to do a little bit of stargazing. Mark, happy Friday. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling the turtle is coming back. I mean, it came. I, I, it was after the Calgary game when Mason Marchment talked about parking the bus, and I just, I had that, it, you know, one of those like uh, Kaiser Soze reveal moments where I just panicked and remembered all the bad times. It's just, oh my god, it's. I, I want to start, Mark. We are going to spend the next however long, just to put it in context, talking about a team that is third in the NHL with an eight three three points percentage. So, like, whatever happens from here, just know that number. Like, cling to it. Lock it into your brain. This is a team that is is securing 83.3% of the points that are available has lost once in regulation. And and still, though, we're, we're making jokes about the number of shots they gave up to an Edmonton team that's won exactly twice. I mean, what the what the heck is happening right now, Mark? Just to just getting into it, right? Well, they're winning a lot of close games. And uh, up until this point, uh, at least the Alberta stretch, they were winning close games because they were close games. And now that we've gone back to Canada, we're we're deciding that the close games need to be old school Dallas games where you get out ahead and then you turtle and, and you depend on your goaltender to save your cookies. Now, and, and just just. For the sake of agenda, obviously, we're going to talk about the the games the team is currently playing, and then we're also going to jump and we'll we'll do TV on the radio as well. We've got a couple of fun clips this week, so just just to set the agenda. But coming back to your point, Mark, how much of that, looking at these past two games, do you think is a product of playing road games back? I think it's something like seven games in eleven days, or you know, they're after a very sparse start to the season. All of a sudden, Dallas is facing a crush. So how much of that get a lead in turtle do you think is is some, you know, new wrinkle that this team wants to roll out versus how much of it is the necessity of, hey, you get up multiple goals on Calgary staring at Edmonton the next night. Of course, you park it. And then you get up multiple goals against Edmonton second night of a back to back. You don't have the energy to not park it. Yeah, it, it just struck me, especially in the Calgary game, that this was returning to old habits. And this is a team that is, you know, it's tried and true. This is a Dallas Stars team that has won hurtling for, for several years. And they're kind of used to it. And it's a bit of a, of a stretch to say, let's keep pushing and let's uh, let's put the, the foot on the neck and, and, and make it work. I think that it's just an old habit. They've gotten into it. And for my heart's sake, I hope they, uh, they get away from it. Yeah, and I think they do as well. I, I think... It's, it's really hard to suss out because at nine games, we're starting to get into a space where there is enough of a sample size 
to maybe learn a little bit, but we're also not quite there in terms of sample size to learn a little bit, right? But we've we've seen, you know, we've talked about the the green shoots, right? So the first line, Hintz is back, Robo has been fully activated, Pavelski scored a butte last night, right? So the first line seems to still be its its typical cheat code self. You know, Thomas Harley looks, you know, we talked about him looking to be the real deal. And yet, right, this is a team just kind of looking through like they're they're kind of middling. You know, we, we talked about the point percentage, which is fantastic. But if you look at the possession stuff, your Corsi's and your Fenwick's and your expected goals and, and all of that, this is a team that grades out towards the bottom of the league right now. And it's not a huge margin. You know, it is early in the season. So it's it's, you know, three, four, five percentage points difference from where they sit to, you know, more of the upper echelon. So it's it's very much still a situation where there's some you know, early season noise to filter out and you expect they'll get it to Shane is scoring again. But I think we see, I've seen bursts. You know, the, the, uh, let me put it this way. The thing that's, the thing that has concerned me a little bit is this team still feels like if you can get established in Dallas's zone and if you can lean on them a little bit, you can sustain possession, right? This team does seem to struggle retain, regaining the puck and breaking out after a prolonged period of time when they haven't had it. And hey, that's most teams. And this team also still seems dead set on giving away, you know, odd man breaks, weird chances, kind of high percentage stuff, right? Those problems seem to be enduring right now. Well, let me let me ask you a question. And here I'm, I'm poking around on natural stat trick a little bit. What would you say the, uh, the expected goal for percentage would be of the top line? Of, of Ooh, of the top Hintz. line. Yeah, Robertson, Hints, and uh, and Pavelski playing together. Let's see. I'm gonna. I, um, it's high. I'm thinking they they started a little bit slow. They score a lot of. I'm thinking it's probably 55 percent. 48.76. That is surprising. So they're actually conceding more than they're scoring. That is that's an interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and I think some of that is uh, is defensive. They they've given up some goals in areas where where you wouldn't really expect them to, and so there there may be something sneaking in here where if you want to roll your top line out there, you're you're turtling a little bit because uh, it's it's more of a fifty fifty battle, and and maybe you start thinking that you want to just suppress goals as opposed to going up and down and rolling the dice. That's interesting. The other interesting thing about that to me is, so what was that percentage again? One more time for the, those uh, scoring at home. 48.76. And the team itself is at 49.63. So that, that suggests somebody is, somebody is outplaying that, that line right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's the fourth line. To tell you the truth. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's them. It's, it's now that they've actually started scoring. If we're talking about expected goals, it frankly wouldn't surprise me if it was Sagan's unit. Thinking about how many times they've hit the post, Mace has had a couple of goals wiped off for calls, and I, I don't quite know. I don't. There obviously they don't count towards XG, but just thinking about run of play, it certainly looks like that. You know, the Sagan Deshane pairing, whether it's with Dadnoff or Delandria or Marchment, Marchment lately scoring, which is fantastic to see. But it certainly seems like that unit is creating more consistent, repeatable chances, even if they aren't necessarily getting the end result all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's kind of a weird team in that they've been pretty predictable here over the last couple of weeks. Get off to a mediocre start, just absolutely floored in the second, and then it slows down a little bit in the third, and that 
isn't necessarily what we were expecting right off the shoot when we saw, okay, yeah, let's get up to a lead and let's just keep pushing pace in the third and, and you know, we're a better team than they are. And so we're going to win. And I, I think that is one thing that we're seeing right now and credit to, to Jim Nill and Jim Nill's mustache is one of the differences and one of the difference makers for this squad, I feel like is the fact that in close games like this, having a talent gap, can be a big benefit, right? We haven't yet seen a night where a full night, full game where all four lines are rolling, but Hey, like one or two isn't this, this team is so good that they, yes, in a perfect world, obviously they need all of their lines to be, you know, running, but this team is also good enough that if it's only the Ben line, if it's only the second, you know, they could, they can get by and they can get results without that comprehensive performance. Yeah, and here I'm, I'm, you know, in the, in the background, I'm taking a look at some of these other lines. The Ben Johnston Dadenov line is even worse. You know, they're sitting here at uh, 43.42. And, and interestingly, that they're suppressing, they aren't scoring nearly as much, and they aren't giving up nearly as much. So, uh, so that's potentially something that's more interesting come the third period, if you want to take a little air out of the game. But uh, again, it's a, it's negative. Yeah. And, you know, the, the only thing I suppose I can add to that is maybe some of this is reflecting the absolute disasters that we've had in the third period of the last two games. Because 10 games in, small sample size, a couple big turtles, and all of a sudden your stats look bad. Yeah, I mean, that giving up, what, 20-plus shots in a period will certainly do that. But I, I also think it's not entirely unfair. On the one hand, you know, mad respect to sample size, and I get that you don't want to overreact to the outsized impact something like that can have. On the other hand, bro, you gave up 20 plus shots in a period. Like maybe that should have the suppressing effect we're seeing on the performance. Cause you know, do, do, do good teams, do teams that supposedly have Stanley cup aspirations are those teams that should be going through stretches like Dallas went through in Calgary and went through in Edmonton. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and just to finish it off here. Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on, on, uh, Archmont, Sagan, and uh, and Duchesne, they're they're sitting at a uh, oh just under two thirds, sixty six sixty six percent change. And oh, and just yeah. to just to restate the obvious, that means that of of all of the goals that are expected to be scored while that line is on the ice, they are expected to score sixty six percent of those. Like they, that is that is like that's the Two sort of production we'd expect to see out of the top line. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm you know. I'll have to pick a combo here and run the fourth line. I'm I'm guessing the fourth line is probably slightly positive too. So yeah. that that kind of goes there. Um, the the other thing I'm fully expecting is that with the way that Pete DeBoer has been deploying defense, uh, I, I've seen a lot of the Hawk and Paul Lindell pairing in the third as we're turtling. So since they aren't really getting time in the regular course of play, that. Lindell Hockenpah number is going to be disastrous. How do we? How do we it feel about it's only that out there for turtle. <laughs> I mean, how do how do we how do we feel about the defense? Because we've seen a we've seen a pretty healthy amount of like there there have been Harley plus Miro sightings this season. Um, we talked last podcast about how we'd hoped Lundqvist was going to get on the scoreboard, and he finally did. Um, where, where you know, Ryan Suter, right? We, we highlighted him making, you know, we've highlighted him not being at fault for a couple of things 
<laughs> to this point. What are we? How do we feel about the defensive group through nine games? You know, I, I hate to say this, but and and maybe we heard a little bit on the broadcast last night that uh, well, you may not have heard it. I heard it. Um, <laughs> is that uh, Brian Suter is down a little weight, and he's uh, you know, af- after a few games where he wasn't. So he he was kind of the Ryan Suter that we were expecting. Suter sneakily started to play good. He started you you predictably cut out delivering that. He's he started oh, to look he, He's he's predictably starting to play fairly well. Yeah. And you know, him him and Miro together have looked fairly decent. And Harley's looked really good. Hockenpah's uh, been a little bit of a hot mess. But, I mean, the, uh, the the goal last, and there's a little bit of keystone, a little bit of hard luck to it, but the, the Harley Hockenpah goal against last night where they both managed to fall down was not the best look for either player. <laughs> as, as the puck barely slides into the net. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but other than that, what, Lund, Lundquist, I would say, has been living up to expectations. Um, Essa is probably living up to expectations, whatever your expectations are, whether those are good or bad. <laughs> So is, I would he is he is aggressively Essa Lindell. Yeah, exactly. And so I would say that the defense is maybe a little bit better than expected, primarily because Ryan Suter's minutes are being put in a in a way that he can actually play to it. And and still you have some downside there in that I think he jumps into play a little bit more than you might like uh, if you're a big Miro Haskinen fan. Because Miro ends up uh, getting caught in some positions where he might be facing odd man rushes because Suter gets caught up ice and he doesn't have the speed to get back. But for the most part, that that pairing's been a, a solid pairing, and everybody else is kind of where you expect them to be, or even slightly above. So I'm pretty happy with the defense. Yeah, they're they're holding out. It, it does seem like we're getting a version of Suter right now that that at the very least is is sustainable. Right? It's it's not. Um, a major problem. I will say, and this this may be just purposely trying to make you mad. So Ryan Suter last season, his average time on the ice was 20 minutes, 23 seconds. Do you think, where do you think he sits through nine games this season? Uh, 18 something? 1947. Okay. So, yeah. which which kind of, the reason I bring it up is that as you're talking, I'm, I'm flipping through some stuff and it actually kind of stunned me because my impression as well was that they were doing a little bit more to moderate Suter, but then I looked it up and it's like, oh no, he's he's number three in total time on ice behind. You know, Miro is at twenty five, Lindell is at twenty, Suter is at nineteen forty seven, Hockenpah is at eighteen thirty two. Then you get Harley, and Harley's at eighteen. So basically, the the defensive crew, you've got Miro at twenty five, then everybody else is around twenty, and then Lundquist is about sixteen. He's fifteen forty seven. So that seems to be the way somewhat, the coaching staff balanced. is thinking. Say again. Yeah, I- it's somewhat balanced, it sounds like, and yeah. and so it's down a little bit reflective of the fact that he's not getting his power play time, but uh, because we have Mason Marchment, he's getting a lot of penalty time, so that is what you get, and then Miro's way up there because he, every once in a while, gets offensive zone uh, draws with Harley, which has just been working great. Yeah. And I, th- I think as well, Miro gets the time because he's your best player, right? He's yeah. he's he's twenty. He's a twenty-four year old number one, you know, top tier NHL defenseman. And those guys from time to time are going to play 25 minutes a night. He's, you know, four points in nine games, or sorry, five points in nine games, very respectable. And that's without any power play production. Sorry, two power play assists. I apologize. It's with some relatively limited power play 
production so far. So he's looked good. I think you're right. I'm I'm not. I wouldn't go so far as to say they've they've found some magical formula and the defense is all of a sudden a towering strength for this team. But I do think that they've figured out a way. Like it's certainly not a liability. The defense yeah. defense is not why this team is struggling, in my opinion. Right. Well, and and they've they've also kind of realized that they have Jake Ottinger behind him most of the time, and Ottinger will clean up pretty much anyone's mess. Okay. One 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 quick question here, since since I I had to know, um, expected goals for percentage for Lindell and Hockenpah. Oh man, I I don't know the number. And just because this is the way the world seems to work, I'm going to guess that they're over 50%. <laughs> Wes, you were wrong. Don't <laughs> <laughs> figure. My, my thought is- process, Mark, was you couldn't possibly be asking me that question if they were doing what we expect, which is getting caved in. I, I did the whole, like, I overthought it, right? I said, okay, well, yeah. it can't be. The obvious answer is not great, Bob. But it can't be that because you're asking me. Therefore, they must be doing surprisingly well. Well, it's uh, it's not great, Bob. Divided by two, so we're we're talking a skosh under twelve. Oh God, twelve percent <laughs> of the expect of the goals expected on the ice. Are, my God. Yeah. No, no. This is. I mean, we're talking limited minutes. So, so this is third periods in the I last couple games. I should hope the minutes are limited. <laughs> If, if, if they, those if minutes aren't limited, then DeBoer needs to be locked away. <laughs> not just fired, but get the man some mental help. The stars would Sub not be 12. That is unheard of. Lindell yeah. plays more minutes than anybody not named Miro Haskinen. <laughs> the, the, cor- the Corsi 4 percentage is slightly better at a little over 20. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not been pretty. So, basically, whenever those two are on the ice, the other team has the puck and is probably expecting to score. So, okay. but but this is yeah, we're we're talking about thirteen minutes, and it's probably mostly in the last two games in the third period. So yeah. that's kind of what we saw. Probably a healthy amount of penalty kill time where you'd expect it. So it, it, well, no, it, this, it, is, it, this is all five on five. So, oh, uh, yeah. Mm. All right. No, 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 no simple breaks here because you have special teams going on. Their special teams number is probably better. <laughs> it. I mean, it can't be. It literally can't be much worse. It is. It is hard for it to be worse. Okay, now now you're forcing me to run those numbers. <laughs> but I'll, I'll do that in the background. We're going into Vancouver. Vancouver just scored 10 goals, right? So, yeah, uh, so what do game, we expect way, now? Not, not just cumulative. They they had a shutout, and they had an obvious challenge they, that they could have run, but uh, they didn't challenge the San Jose goal because the mercy rule or something like that yes. is what I read. I'd yeah. be, you know what? I'd be pissed at that if I was the goaltender. I would be, I would be legitimately. Like, come on, bro. We we have a lead. We can take, you know, even if it's even if it's like a borderline call. I think like, hey, I've I've got a shutout going here. We've got more than enough of a lead to to soak up a power play. You know, it's sort of that whole like, at least give them a chance, right? Keep keep them in the game. It's like a, a guy's got a guy's on two goals and you get a power play. He he's on the power play. You know, hunt for the hat trick. I think just out of respect, you have to make a coach's challenge. Uh, I don't care if it, there's no cause to have the goal over. I think you challenge it anyway just in case, right? You just, you got to keep them in the fight. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But uh, <laughs> if you're going to put up a 10 spot, uh, yeah, I, I saw a stat tweet that came out that at one point said that, uh, that um, Vancouver had 
10 five-on-five goals uh, in this game, and San Jose had nine so far this season. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, it, it fits, uh, wait, right? When, so Elias, when, when, Elias yeah, Pettersson is second in the league in points right now. He's got 19 through 10 games. Quinn Hughes is fourth, 16 through 10 games. JT Miller, all of a sudden, he's back to relevancy. He's he's sixth in the league in scoring. They've got, you know, they've got three guys in the top 10. They've got four guys. Brock Boser has 13 points, four guys in the top 15. So this this team, I mean, obviously scoring a 10 spot early in the season will inflate a lot of those counting stats. But hey, man, they're they're coming. Why, why are we going to San Jose instead of Vancouver, right? Right. Is it too late to change travel plans? Maybe call the team's travel agent. I mean, uh, you would have to just add, show up. You would have to add if if you wanted to outscore Elias Patterson at this point, you'd have to add Dallas's first two. So Hintz has 11 points. Pavelski has 10 points. You'd have to do that. If you added Pavelski in the two spot and Jamie Ben in the three spot, you'd get 19 and get, and get yourself into a tie to put, <laughs> to put it in the context. <laughs> well, the fortunate thing for San Jose is the Barracuda. Are, I, I, I think they might have one win so far this year too. So there's a whole lot in the tank down in the AHL. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is it's gonna get worse in San Jose before it gets better. But this is this is going to ultimately turn into a rele- relegation story. So uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> if if ever there was a chance. Obviously I'm reading Twitter too much. Uh, I think I think I saw saw something that said, Doesn't San Jose know that Bedard went last year? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if they play badly enough, they can get him this year. The league will be like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, oops, we we gotta we gotta punish Chicago for something. So Bedard, so, you're 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 out to San Jose. <laughs> that's right. That's right. My goodness. My goodness. Oh, well, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get into TV on the radio? Anything else going on with the, with the old squad? Oh, let's let's get some sponsor time in there, and then let's uh, let's talk through some plays. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mark, I, I cannot believe the Lindell pairing is that bad. Holy smokes. <laughs> I, w- I was wrong. The expected goals for percentage on, on the on the penalty kill is 3.9. So <laughs> they are a bit better at even strength. At, at this point, it's just a poop emoji. Yeah, exactly. But that's kind of, I, I don't know. Is that, that might be an expected number. I'm guessing that's an expected number for the for yeah. It feels it honestly feels totally legit having watched yeah. the team so far this season. <laughs> All right. Well, diving back in, we're we're gonna stick with the gimmick. We've got a, a bonus play this week because mine was all of 20 seconds long and Mark couldn't decide. So we're gonna get into it. We're we're dialing in on Calgary for some reason. We've got a couple selections there, which is which is nice. And 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 Mark, what order do you want to take? I, I've sort of been driving the bus in that regard. So how do you want to handle this? Well, let's let's start with yours, yeah. just because uh, I, I might need to to take a deep breath before I get into mine, since there's so much uh, film to watch. Yours might need an intermission. <laughs> it's all the same play, though. It's just different versions of the same play. 
Yeah, and, and, and this is actually, we're, we're following a narrative thread. So for those of you scoring at home, my sequence starts at 19 minutes and 8 seconds in the first period against the Calgary Flames. So first minute of the game, right off the bat. And the reason this jumped out at me was, you know, we, we've, in a couple of previous clips, it was, uh, it was in the, the first time we did this, we focused on a goal against that initially looked like it was Ryan Suter's fault, but upon further investigation, it looked much more likely to be some kind of miscommunication on the cycle between Hintz and Haskin that left a player open, right? So we, we talked about what happened when things go wrong. I had the thought, well, hey, what, what, what does it look like when things go right? And this is one of those sequences. So Calgary breaks into the zone. Calgary gets possession, gets the puck into the corner. And from here, you've got pretty good stars defensive pairing. You've got Hawk and Paul along the wall, got defenseman in the slot. Everything is is well under control. Um, the the puck gets rimmed around. I believe that it's Lindell, yeah, our, our friend Essa Lindell, the expected goals. The Flames play the puck more or less to behind Jake Ottinger's net. Lindell follows the puck carrier there, engages him physically, pins him against the wall. And the key to this play that makes a difference is Hockenpah starts off outside. I mean, he's outside his faceoff circle when this kicks off. He's trying to seal off that wall, um, isn't quite able to get to that puck. So at this point, Hockenpah's got one man over his back shoulder against the wall, um, comfortably against the wall, not not in a scoring position. He's pretty much level with the bottom of the face-off circle. What you see off screen is a flame forward, and apologies, my, my eyesight's not as great. I can't quite make out the number, but you've got a flame forward right between the face-off dots, right where the right winger would line up on an offensive zone face-off. Hence is a few steps um, behind him, not in a position to engage. And you've got the puck rimming around the wall. So you're in a situation where for a split second, the Calgary Flames have actually managed to outnumber the Dallas Stars. They've got a guy, they've got a guy beneath the net, they've got a guy on the wall at the bottom of the faceoff circle, and they've got a guy flush between the hash marks. So a pretty good, a pretty good spot. They don't have possession of the puck at this point. It's it's still kind of rolling up the yellow, but they're they're in a good spot. And you know, we talked about the importance of communication, importance of positional awareness on the hint Haskin and goal. You know, they both ended up going to the puck, leaving a guy who ended up scoring, you know, scoring against the stars. In this instance, Hockenpah seems to recognize what's happening. He sees the guy in the slot. He understands correctly that that guy is much more of a threat than the guy on the wall. And he does something exceptionally simple, which is take about three strides into the middle of the ice so that all of a sudden his forehand is between the player along the wall and the danger man in the slot. Combine that with S. Lindell engaging, and so what it, what Lindell does is engage physically to force the the Calgary forward to make a quicker decision. Right, he can't wait because he's about to be checked. What Hockenpah does is read that, get into the passing lane, and all of a sudden, what could have been an extraordinarily dangerous scoring chance turns into just about as simple a turnover and breakout as one could imagine. Of course, a few seconds later, Dallas messes it up and passes right back to the defenseman. Um, there's a little bit of a confusion between Pavelski and Hintz, and they they don't end up getting the puck out of the zone. So it's maybe like, let's call it, it's, it's mostly a good clip, at least from the defensive side of things. It's a successful rotation. Hockenpah makes a great positional read, puts himself in a position to snuff out a chance before it even turns into a chance. And then we get a tantalizing glimpse of how everything and how quickly things can um, can fall apart when Hockenpah moves the puck through the crease, gets it to his uh, gets it to his forward Hintz, who is back at that point. Or sorry, gets it to Pavelski. Pavelski mishandles, makes a bit of a passes in a skate, so maybe a free, maybe a little bit of a pass, but makes a, a blind backhander to where he thinks Hintz might be, and it turns over and they they re rack and do it all again. But anyways, wanted to highlight that because we again we we talked previously about what happens when when coverage mistakes leave guys open. 
this is what it's supposed to look like when proper coverage means nobody ever gets open and nothing bad ever happens. Until you turn it over. Until you turn it over. But that's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Correct. the defense. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's that's one of the the 12% of the time when they don't give up an expected goal. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what, uh, you know, a minute or so into the game, what uh, Hockenpah and Lindell are doing on the ice at the same time. I mean, but, uh, but that's uh, stuff happens. Okay. Yeah, I I like that. Oh, sorry. I, you know, Apologies. I apologize. It was it's even stranger. It's Suter. My my site oh. is yeah. Twenty. Twenty versus twenty to twenty three. Sorry. 20, yeah. Yeah. Starts with a two. Hey, but the, and, the, and the key is go. it definitely was Hawk and Pop. Big old number two rumbling through the crease, and it definitely was Hawk and Pop making again. He didn't get over aggressive. He stayed in his spot. He read the play, and all of a sudden, it was just a big old nothing burger. <laughs> Which, as a defensive nice defense, Ryan you want to be a guy that creates nothing. Yeah, exactly. Saying good things about Ryan Suter again, so we're, we're going to get typecast here. Making he's making a comeback. <laughs> okay, well I like that. Mine is going to be the same game, except I'm going to the end of the third as opposed to the beginning of the first. So my clip is one that everybody probably remembers, uh, with just a little over a minute left in the game. Calgary's pulled their goaltender at six on five, and they get a a, a slap shot from you know the blue line, and it it's fed out a little to the side, and uh, Hockenpah gets in a into a stick battle with Lias Lindholm, and the puck pops up in the air. Uh, Ottinger makes a save with his back, uh, still trickling oh, in the a, crease, yeah. uh, and and Esselindel uses his skate to keep it out of the net, and uh, and it pops uh, it ultimately pops out to to Matt Duchesne, and he sends it down uh, down the ice. Kick, so, save, and a beauty. Beauty. Uh, Razor was all over this. So. What I'm doing with with my clips, and I have two clips here, one of which was the standard TV clip, and then uh, there was, you know, a- after this happened, a couple different views came out of what was actually going on. And in watching these clips, what I want you to do is, instead of following the puck, follow Jamie Benn. Because Jamie Benn is playing center here. And what he does up in the lead-up to this is he's he's the one who's out there chasing the puck. So if the puck goes down down the wing, he's going over, cutting that off. Uh, he ends up back up at the point a little bit. Uh, by the time the shot happens, he's kind of out of frame up by the blue line. And what you'll see is that as all this scrum is going on, Jamie Ben kind of nose downs and heads directly to the crease. And Esselindell makes his kick save, but Jamie Ben cleans everything up. And, and and you you take a look at his forwards. Uh, he's out there with with Wyatt Johnson and Matt Duchesne. Both of them are closer to the puck when the shot takes place, but it's Ben who's going in to clean things up, and they're more staying out on the side. So, for instance, even Duchesne Duchesne as he's cruising in, Anafin cuts inside and gets pretty close to the scrum. And if the puck comes out, he's going to be an ideal scoring position. But Let's follow Jamie Ben a little bit. And in the first clip, you can see that Ben goes into the scrum. But after you get familiar with that, take a look at the second clip. The well, second I will clip, say just before we move on to the second, sure. the first, it's it's not just aimless wandering either. I'm noticing it's Ben is in coverage the entire time. Oh, he exactly. Stays, yeah, he's he's doing what he's what he's supposed to do. 
Yeah, he's he's staying on. He follows one one forward as he drives to the net, and then peels off only once. It think talking about responsibility, right? It, it, that that forward turns into I think it's Hockenpah's defensive responsibility. So Ben leaves that and moves to the player in the slot. Who, yeah, he's he's throughout the entire sequence. He's he's anticipating the play, and he's he's staying on his man versus just kind of wandering around and hoping something good happens. Yeah, and, and and he's doing this, I think, primarily because he's playing the center role, and and the center role here is is the one who's going to be pressuring the puck. Yeah, yeah, it's much more defined. Your wingers, your wingers are typically m- much more rigid in their responsibility to, um, to take their points. Right, you, yep. their their job is to cancel out a defenseman each, and the center's job is sort of rove underneath that and react as necessary. Right, if somebody pinches. He pops out if somebody's in the crease. That's yeah. It's it's Jamie's job yeah. to sort of re like the the forwards and the defenders, or the wingers and the defenders. Apologies have more rigidly defined roles in this situation, and it's it's sort of Jamie's job to read what everybody else is doing and based on where they are to go where he's needed. Right, and and somewhat complicated by the fact that it's six on five, and so there's there's an open guy out yeah. there at some point. Um, and I always feel yeah. like, and I have no stats to back this up. I always feel like six on five, it's sort of like four on three and six on five are more chaotic than five on four because it's just a little bit more exotic of a situation. Yeah, it's not something you practice all the time. That's for sure. Okay, let's uh, let's kind of pop off to the second video and and you'll see two things in the second video. One one of which is is kind of a close up of what's going on in the crease area. Yep. And yeah, so it we, starts we off see- with the defenders. Yeah, we we see you know there there's Hawk and Paws uh, puck battle over on the side. We see Essa come into into the play, and we really don't see Jamie Ben come in till the end. But as we see Ben come in, there's a there, there's a Calgary forward who's right on the post, and it, it's Connor Zary's had a great game, uh, you know, good rookie. Ben comes in, and as part of his motion in coming into the into the crease. He uses his leg to just absolutely take him out of the play. Yep, leg, and, um, leg, shoulder, and stick. Looks like yeah, it, exactly. And 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 so he completely throws him off balance and removes the threat from the opposite side of the net. And you know, my my looking at Jamie Ben, he that is an absolute intentional move on his part to clear that area of the crease. And and I would hundred percent agree. And I also think if if you roll it just a little bit longer he continues he uses that he's not just engaging with zary it's he's he's coming after um oh gosh i'm blank on the the, the uh, there's another calgary forward 17 i believe so right. they it's, have it's it's shrank of it yeah there you go yeah lindholm on the you've got lindholm yeah. on one post zary on the other 17 in the middle and ben's if you look at his progress he takes Zary out of the play as you describe it, and in so doing, gives himself the angle to the puck to take it off the stick of the forward in the middle. So he manages to nullify two players and get the puck clear off of that sequence. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and so Essa's making his play with his with his foot, and he's getting all the credit. But Ben's coming in, clearing out an entire side, and then he's the one who's engaging with the puck after Lindell stops it from going into the net. And because of his stick, then he takes Sharangovich out of the play and is able to pop it out to Duchesne, who can make the clear. Because they they score without without Ben doing that. Lindell's well, play is a footnote because it's a it's a great it's a it's a fantastic heads up defensive play. You know Lindell correctly, in my opinion, Lindell gets between Zary like Lindell reads Ottinger challenging that puck, 
And Lindell does a very good job, I think, stepping between Zary and the net. And so Lindell puts himself in a position where, you know, without Lindell there, Zary has a tap-in because Ottinger has, you know, moved to that post, made the save, gotten twisted, the puck is behind him. The puck is, you know, there there is nothing between the puck and the net and nothing between Zary and the puck until Essel Lindell takes a step back. Lindell steps into the blue, not just to block the puck, but he steps in front of Zary, but he kind of has to he kind of has to abandon him, right? He can't just cover Zary because there's more more skaters there and the puck might get in on its own. So I think part of what I love about this is you've got Lindell making a desperation read. Hey, I have to stop this puck from going in and I can't really devote much concern to what happens after that. And then you've got Ben making a great read that says, hey, Essa just stopped this puck from going in, but there's two more guys that are in a position to score very easily. I'm just going to, two two on one, Sound I, I like those odds. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean Ben Ben is just coming in and and going into the muck and winning battles. And and, and I think that's primarily what I want to show here is that you know in, in the in the course of play as you're watching Lindell's getting you know appropriately kudos for for his play with his skate and keeping the puck out of the net. But it's really then Jamie Ben who's the one who makes this a much less dangerous situation. Yeah, and and, did, and the second part of that second clip is just an overhead view of of the exact same thing, which which gives you kind of a better idea or feel for what what Ben actually does to Zary over on the wing with his with his leg and knocking him off balance. But, yeah, it's, but again, it's a, Ben is just Ben 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 is a defensive beast on this play, and he got absolutely credit for it. Yeah, he gets we we fixate on the offense, obviously. But this is this to me is every bit as much of the value of Ben as a you know power forward on this team and, and using his body, using his skill. Like this, this has everything, right? It, it's size, it's skill, it's smarts. It's it's just a fantastic hockey play. Yep. yep. The I have bonus points though, and and credit where credit is due. At the very very start to instigate this entire thing, Lindholm does one of my all-time favorite power forward moves, and not just power forward, because I remember Brett Hall used to do this a lot, the old cross-check push-off. So yeah, the, he sho- the, shoves Hockenpah into, in, into the crease in front, <laughs> in front of Ottinger. <laughs> yep, but a lot of times you'll get away with that, and it's 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 the thing that I like about that as a you know as a hockey watcher, and as much as I hate that the other team did it, is sometimes I think when when people and I'll, I'll find a Pavelski example for coming up because he does he's obviously a Hall of Famer bit built on this. I think that sometimes people mistake guys that are good net front as I just get to the top of blue and stand still. Whereas the the real elite net front guys are the ones that do exactly what Lindholm did to start the play, which is, yeah, he starts off flush, obviously, in contact. He's cross-checking the guy. But he starts off flush with Hockenpah, and that's not what creates the opportunity. What creates the opportunity is he backs up about three feet, gives himself room, and makes something happen. And so I just, I love, I, I hate seeing it happen to the stars, but it's it's worth watching the instigating incident because it's that really good you you create content you anchor your defender and then you find a way to back out of the situation and all of a sudden you've got a little bubble of space where you can you can make a play get a shot off yeah and, and you know this is one of the areas i think that you can also say that because of hawk and Paw's size it probably worked out a little better for the stars than it would have, would have against a smaller uh, slighter player because Hockenpah yeah. kind of holds his own a little bit and is able to get back into that play and and ultimately engage Lindholm's stick over on the side of the net uh, instead of getting completely knocked off his rails. Yeah, yeah, 
and and honestly, the the flip side of that though is maybe if he's um, if he's smaller and he gets hit and goes down, it might end up a penalty. <laughs> true, true. But what one minute one minute left uh, after the stars were were turtling the whole time? I'm pretty sure the refs had those whistles exactly yeah. where you'd expect them. With good reason. I don't think the referees <laughs> have any um, yeah had any desire to call to call much of anything. It was it was a good. I, I love those two plays. And, and again, this is also a good testament to, in, in some sense, the risk of the turtle because it took two, and, and I'll throw Ottinger in there as well because that initial kind of flailing over my back save, right? It yeah. took, you know, it took two, if not three, very high IQ, high skill, you know, read the moment plays for Dallas to avoid giving up a goal in that sequence. It wasn't just one thing. They needed all three to happen in sequence to avoid getting scored on. And that's, that's the danger of the turtle is, is it's really difficult. And that's why you'll see the statisticians will, will know this and are nodding along. That's why, you know, you, you get really worried about teams that do exceptionally well in one or two goal games, because that's, that's the stuff that is really hard to rely on. And as much as you can say that Jamie Ben is an elite player, and as much as you can say that Lindell has a reputation as being a great defender, and as much as you can say that, that Ottinger is one of the great up and coming goaltenders in the league right now, it's still really hard to expect them in a, you know, 20 second clip every single time to make sure that, you know, Ben takes two guys out of the play. Lindell stops a puck on a goal line. Ottinger makes a, a you know, frantic save to kick it all. Like that's, that's hard to, to do repeatedly. And, and the best way to prevent it is just not wind up in that situation in the first place. And to tell you the truth, the other thing I'd kind of like to know about this is, you know, you know, you notice how uh, who, how Duchesne and Johnston kind of cruise into the play and, and hang out on the periphery. I, I'm kind of interested in understanding how that's coached um, because they both reacted the same way. And it's very likely that they're playing their role there. And Ben's role is to get into the scrum like that, playing playing the center position. So yeah. I, I think that's an interesting sidelight that, uh, you know, you can talk about hockey IQ and how, how players do things instinctively, but they're also working within a system. And, yeah. and it's not complete chaos. And so they're reacting and doing smart things within something that's been set up for how they're supposed to react. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, right? It's not it's not shinny. These guys aren't aren't just cruising around. It's, they've, they've got specific spots and specific assignments, and they might freelance outside of that. But um, yeah. All right. You ready for a, a goal fest on Saturday night? I mean, I, I hope I hope that it's a good goal fest, but um, I yeah, we're going to find out. It, it's an interesting test for the Dallas Stars. You know, there again, we've talked about all of this in the in the in the context of an eight three three points percentage. Vancouver's right behind them at seven fifty. They're they're level on fifteen points. The difference is Vancouver has played an additional game. They they lost it, but they've played an additional game. You know, things that we normally look at. The the goal differential is a big indication of team quality. Vancouver is a best in conference plus 24 Dallas is plus six caveat being you win a game, you know, you score, you score a 10 spot that pretty significantly changes your total with, within a 10 game sample size. So, you know, maybe Vancouver is a, a juggernaut we've just not seen it, but the teams are pretty well matched. Dallas is, is seven, one and one Vancouver is seven, two and one, right there. There's not a lot separating those, separating those teams outside of that one um, the one blowout for 
for the Nucks. So I think we've we looked at this road trip as a really interesting early season test. And I'd say, you know, B, B plus for the Stars. They, they've got the wins. They've scored the goals. They've had some lapses and, and made it tougher than it needed to be. What, what do you think, Mark? Yeah, it's one of those things where I think if we didn't have such high expectations as fans going into the season and, and having Stanley Cup conversations that involved the Stars, that everybody would be very happy. And I think I think time of the year matters too, right? If this was if this was February, right, inching up on the playoffs, the dull, you know, the the team is haggard, late season. I think if this was February, you'd look at the way that Dallas started this stretch of games, and think the I think you'd be thrilled, right? They played two, you know, two lengthy road trips against you know a couple of teams, and they got two wins. They went they they were able to use their backup goaltender for one of those wins. Like I think there's a lot positive to take away, but your point about expectations and, and about early season, it's, it's sometimes hard to see that. Yeah. And you know, six, one and one points are accumulating at, at this point. We probably have uh, more points than San Jose is going to get all year. So we've eliminated yeah. one team. Oof. So yeah, it's at this point, it's about getting the points and how you get there. Uh, not so much as long as you're making improvements and getting a better identity with your team, or at least understanding the identity of the team. And at this point, uh, you know, what, what are we about 12% into the season, 10, 12% of the way into yeah, the I think season. So. There's, there's, there's a lot of points that have been available. Dallas has accumulated most of what they could get and no, they haven't looked perfect on the ice, but it's a work in progress. And there's all, all the pieces have at least stood up and performed at some point. And, and you see, you see glimpses, right? Marchman has yeah. had a couple of really strong offensive games. Duchesne looks right now, and it's nine games, but he looks like the perfect uh, co-pilot for Sagan's line right now. And I know Sagan is a little bit; he's only got four points, and and there's not a lot of tangible production yet. But those two look dynamite offensively. But the thing I will say about Duchesne, he he kind of looks like the kid in the candy shop at this point. Yeah. He's uh, I, I think he's very happy with his decision to give up a, a, a few bucks and come to Dallas. I mean, if, if this if this performance level holds, even if even if he doesn't get any better than he's playing right now, he's going to make a lot of money this offseason or and he's going to get to choose where he goes. And yep. I think it's he gives them a different he gives them such a different element. He, he He's quicker. He's more of a, a threat skating, I think, than Sagan is at this point. He's a, a clever passer like he can finish. He's just those two seem to to mesh well and and. You're throwing. You've we've seen Marchment score a couple of goals. Dadnoff's played well. Like you can throw whoever you want next to him, and they're they're going to get chances. Yeah. Now, I would say that at this point, the stars are in standing wise. They're better off than I thought they would be, and performance wise, maybe they're a little worse than I thought they would be. But uh, those are just very minor points. I, I I don't think you can be a stars fan at this point and not be pretty happy. Yeah, I think that's fair. Whatever whatever ground you lose in thinking that you would have liked to have seen a higher standard of performance at this point is more than made up for the fact that, like, at the end of the day, you can say that this is a good team that made significant changes and is managing to accumulate points at an 83% clip while they figure it out, right? And And that is much better to me than a team that's playing well. I'd, I'd much rather be making that claim than be sitting here saying, well, you know, the results will come. Right, right, exactly. Because the point, the points go in the bank and they don't come out. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, 
doesn't doesn't matter how badly you play and, and you know that they they matter now the points you accumulate now count in the standings the same as a point you, the whole notion of being good down the stretch well it matters early too yep. all, all the games count the same until you get to the playoffs and they count the same but they're different we'll see what what's your so what's your prediction for the goal fest in vancouver a shutout right <laughs> you you you've determined uh, you you figured out my way of picking um i they have tough times in vancouver don't they don't they don't they go eat uh run up a big check on galardi's uh tab and then uh and then watch vancouver just pop them yeah i i i tend to try and get rid of bad memories and there, there's holes in my uh in my memory so i'm it feels a lot like calgary happen. in recent years like weird stuff always happens in vancouver yep. Yep. So you know, you say you know, Besser's on a on a roll, Pedersen's on a roll. So they'll find somebody uh, somebody very odd is going to show up and you know, throw a hat trick out at, at Dallas, and we'll wonder what happened. But at the at the end of the day, the worst case scenario is it's four out of six points on the road trip, which is a successful road trip. And uh, you no, know, I I think it'll probably be a pretty entertaining game. So I'll, I'll yeah. stick with that. All right, I, I'm actually going to go the opposite direction. I, I just have a gut feeling that this is a situation where I th- I think this is the team, this is the game the team has circled on the road trip. And I think they got through Calgary and they got through Edmonton without any you know serious mishaps. And I think that the, this is a, a, an opportunity for this team to kind of show what they want to be this season. And I I think that we are going to get a team that looks at Vancouver's recent success, the 10 goal victory, you know, Besser and Pedersen and all those guys flying high. And I think this is going to be the first time this season where Dallas kind of puts a marker down and says, yeah, but, but you're not in our class yet. Hold on. I think they I think this game is Dallas sending a message that they are the, they are in the, you know, the upper echelon of the NHL. They deserve to be and kind of putting the league on notice. Like, Hey, Hey, young, young whippersnapper, young upstarts, Let's uh, let's slow let's slow down a little bit before uh, before we consider ourselves in in the same class. I like it. I'm I'm changing my view. I'm going with yours. <laughs> and and again, it's it's more of like it's more that again. I think that the Sagan unit has been playing very well and hasn't had a lot to show for it. The power play is showing signs of life. The defense has been better than we think. The uh, the Robert you know Robertson's got after for him a muted start is back to you know you, you get to the end of the night and he's got two points right hence is on fire pavelski scored like stuff is starting to come together and so i just i just think this is going to be one of those early season moments where it all kind of coalesces and the team makes a statement i like it yep there we go so that's that mark thank you as always for your insight kt for your hard tireless work behind the scenes we will uh, i think this one's going to go live before the game so hopefully i am talking to you out in radio land before we know what happens it'll it'll make our predictions even smarter but otherwise uh, thanks for listening please don't forget to download to like subscribe do all the things funnel us your feedback we're happy to hear from you and we will talk soon